to summarize that was when I started the business, I didn't have a website. Mm. Um, I'd sold 72,000 pounds worth of products before I had a website. That's not so much. <laughs> Cause I, so, yeah. so all of this, Oh, let's spend six months designing the perfect logo. It's, yeah. it's, um, insert swear word of choice. It's yeah. not important. Um, what's important is you and people trusting you and you being confident in what you do. Welcome to Millionaire Secrets, where we are pulling back the curtain on what it takes to be a seven-figure entrepreneur, giving you the shortcuts and the wisdom from entrepreneurs who are achieving amazing levels of success today. Proving that no matter what your story is, no matter what your version of success is, you can take the secrets of success and change your own truth, your own reality, and become wealthy financially yes but without sacrificing what makes you wealthy in the other areas of your life what makes you happy whether that be family relationships health or travel whatever it is for you there is no doubt that we are living through abnormal times right now but history tells us that this is where the next generation of millionaires will come from entrepreneurs who choose to see the opportunities and rise above the challenges creating empires that will make the most impact in response to what's happening in the world so are you ready to rise up i am on an absolute mission to show the world to show you and the next generation of entrepreneurs that they can have both their version of business success and their version of lifestyle success and it starts now my name is Bethan Jepson, and in this series, I will bring you amazing guests to reveal their millionaire business and millionaire lifestyle secrets. If you are very much on this journey or you want to be on this journey of pursuing massive success in business, wealth, and life, I am giving away amazing bonuses to those who subscribe to the Millionaire Secrets email list at millionairesecretspodcast.com. So make sure you listen all the way to the end of this episode for more information on this. Welcome to episode number nine of Millionaire Secrets. This episode was actually so juicy that we had to split it into two parts. So you're in for an absolute treat. It's my pleasure to introduce you to my good friend, Josh Widette. Josh is an award-winning entrepreneur and a leading expert in the UK cryptocurrency space. Founder of Easy Crypto Hunter, the UK's leading cryptocurrency mining experts, Josh has keynoted at major blockchain and cryptocurrency conferences all over the UK. Josh has also worked in advisory positions for both the EU Parliament and the Home Office, and he's been heavily involved with the discussions surrounding cryptocurrency and blockchain policy adoption throughout the EU moving forward. Alongside this, Josh has consulted and advised for some of the biggest names in the cryptocurrency industry and mentoring new companies trying to enter the space. Josh's honest and transparent approach to cryptocurrency has established him as the go-to guy for cryptocurrency mining equipment and more recently, cryptocurrency accounting services. Having open offices and a place for anyone to come and see the real tangibility of the cryptocurrency industry was unheard of before Josh's company. Investors at the end of the day want to speak to real people and see where their investment is going. So that's the logic behind Josh's rapidly expanding company. 
So Josh and I met through a mastermind community that we're both part of. And I think as two of the youngest people in the room, we just naturally drifted towards each other. I have never seen someone work a room like Josh does. And so it literally came as no surprise to me um, when I learned very early on that he had gone from zero to a million in turnover in, I think, less than a year or just around the year mark, um, which is obviously a massive achievement. So I just knew that Josh was someone I wanted to learn from, and I knew that you will learn tons from him as well. Enjoy this episode. So welcome, Josh, to Millionaire Secrets. Thank you so much for making time for me today. Yeah, no problem. It's good. You were coming a good day. We've been filming some videos this morning, so I could jump straight on. So mm. here we are in, 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 my little, in my little seat, ready to go. <laughs> okay, brilliant. So um, just so you know, then the way that we kind of do things is we'll start off with some rapid fire questions and then the things that are kind of juicy that come up, we'll circle back around to them um, in the main kind of section of this podcast and the do a bit of a deep dive so are you cool to start with some rapid fire yeah sure try and uh fire fire some ammo see where we get <laughs> amazing so josh where do you live where do i live um so i mean you're gonna have everyone just turning up at my door just banging on the <laughs> no, windows at this rate. just general areas <laughs> i know i know um so yeah so I'm, I'm from manchester um so good old manchester in the uk for your international viewers um, so yeah, middle of the country, Manchester, and then I live in a just a little village just outside of uh, the main bit of Manchester, really. And where did you grow up? So pretty much around here. So I grew up, um, as I speak to you now from my offices, I grew up in a little area called Bury, um, which is the, the suburb of, of Manchester. So ultimately, my offices are now based in Bury, which is really cool. So not too far um, from home, which is really helpful. And what was your first job and how old were you? Oh, first job. Well, that's a funny one because I was never very good at jobs. Um, I have done many, many things, but I guess my, the first way I earned money was not a job. Um, I was that annoying kid at school selling sweets. <laughs> so you yeah. used to turn up with a backpack and just be like, you know, selling multi-packs when I probably shouldn't be selling multi-packs. Um, <laughs> no, I, I didn't. If, if Coke's watching, I didn't actually do that. I'm just, just making that up. Um, but no, yeah, so I used to, used to buy and sell kind of sweets at school and daft little things. So I did that before I had a proper job. Um, but when it came to uh, job jobs, yeah, I've definitely done, done my fair share of stuff from, you know, summers in warehouses and helping friends um, do a bit of house renovations. And um, I think really my first kind of proper job that became anything of note uh, was I was working for one of my friends who had a franchise in the shipping industry, um, DHL, FedEx, TNT, that type of stuff. And I helped him over the summer, the school holidays, um, just trying to help grow his business. So I must have only been maybe 14, 15, and I kind of went in with him um, there to get an understanding of how things work, um, what's going on, what it's all about and kind of took my first steps there into what was a proper job but very quickly became my own little thing which was quite cool so so yeah probably probably that would be my first job so office for a friend who owned a business I guess would be okay how you'd sum that up and I think you kind of started to go into it there but like what what do you think that experience taught you um it was quite interesting really because I was working for 
at this company, my friend's company, and obviously their business was reselling um, freight. So, you know, the logic being if you send lots of parcels for your business, typically you can just call up, you know, FedEx or DHL or whatever, and, and they will give you a price for the boxes. But the logic of this company is that they send loads, they get cheaper discount rates and pass those on to the savings um, of the customers. So, you know, good for the customers, good for the business, no problem. Um, and I went in there, you know, kind of not really knowing what I was doing. Of course, I don't, I was 14, 15, didn't have a clue about all the complications of how that worked. But ultimately what I was asked to do there was to call, um, I guess, prospective leads really, um, to call people that had businesses in the area to try and get information from them as to what the then sales guys would then be able to use. So if you could find out, you know, what company they were currently using, how many boxes do they send, what type of places that they send the parcels to, that would be really helpful information for then the sales guys who could then um, go back to those potential customers with more specific information and obviously try to onboard them as customers. So that was what the role involved. Um, and I quickly learned that the value of that information was much larger than what I was being paid uh, so I think, um, so obviously, um, so I think the, yeah, so I think I was, well, I've, I've maybe done it. Like, I can't remember quite how it unfolded, but I think I did that for, how long did I do that for? It wasn't that long. I did it for maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of months, perhaps, um, helping out my friend quite, quite a lot. And obviously he did some, some good business off the back of the information, but I realized that, um, if my friend who owned the business would pay me, for this information then maybe other people would also pay me for this information um so i kind of went from working for working for so much an hour um to being able to then set up a little mini enterprise a little mini business where i went around to other people who owned a similar business to my friend um and then worked for them as well so it works out quite nicely because i think there's uh, something to be said for you know, so for example, I was very thankful to my friend that gave me this opportunity. The last thing I was going to do was just, hey, I'm going to go and do it for the people now. See you later. Um, that's just, I don't think that's a particularly great thing to do. So I made sure that obviously I was still working for him and then he just didn't have enough work for me. And then I, I used the other people to kind of um, fill in the blanks and then ultimately ended up working for the people, charging a little bit more. Um, and then very quickly employed, I say employed, I was, don't think I was, particularly cooperating with all the rules perhaps I should have been when I was 14, 15, um, but employed one of my uh, friends to then call for me because I had too much to do and then that kind of spiraled. So yeah, that was my first kind of job, but it quickly turned into my first little mini business. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. I, hadn't, I didn't know that story. So that was, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, do you have like a role model or a mentor that really inspired you to kind of explore business and entrepreneurship when you were kind of that age or did you just find it naturally? Um, I didn't know. Um, I, I wouldn't say, you know, obviously, I mean, what, 14, 15. So yeah, there was people kicking around, you know, like Richard Branson and all the kind of bigger people that you'd be familiar with. But at that point in my life, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't necessarily see myself going down the business route. I was always, uh, I guess, you know, the, pretty smart kid at school um so I just presumed that I'd end up doing something cool in some science lab somewhere was was kind of what I, I realized but I don't know quite how old I was when I realized there wasn't that much money in those things um, mm -hmm. and if I wanted to do some good in the world maybe uh, spending all day 
with test tubes may not have been the best way to do it. Um, that and chemistry gets really complicated past GCSE. So maybe it just wasn't as smart as I thought I was, is, is the truth. <laughs> um, I love but, that. Yeah, yeah, maybe that was it. I don't know. I was really <laughs> clever till I was 16 and then I was stupid. Um, but ultimately, yeah, so I always thought I was going to do something else. So I wasn't particularly kind of, from a really young age, I wasn't actively looking at business mentors. Um, that came a little bit later, but thankfully still very early in the grand scheme of things. Mm. Um, so it was probably more when I was 19, 20 uh, that I really started to, to, to go down that route more so. Um, but yeah, certainly in my, in my more formative years, I wasn't particularly thinking about any mentors, not at that point. It was, it was much later that I started to, I, I guess I don't really think I could have a mentor if I didn't yet know what I wanted to do. Mm. So I think at that point, I didn't really have a clue what I was doing. Yes. Um, and subsequently, didn't have a mentor at that point or, or someone to look to at least. Mm. Okay, so when you were 19 and 20 then, who, who, who was your first, like let's call it mentor, whatever you want to call it, but? Um, I guess... It, it probably ended up being, uh, there's a really interesting guy who I now still do, do work with actually. I still have a really good relationship with him and still have some, um, you know, I speak with him quite regularly now. Um, and I think that was pro probably a little bit older again. I think it was as I was at university, um, I ended up getting involved with Lancaster Entrepreneurs, which was a, a really big part of my journey, I guess. Um, you know, maybe we'll get onto that later, but I ended up running the Entrepreneur Society at university and that was massively, uh, you know, a big part of, of where I am and what I do now. Um, and through me doing some work there, um, I ended up getting reached out to by th this gentleman who wanted me to be a young ambassador um, of entrepreneurship for the program that he ran. Mm. And subsequently, he was obviously a pretty successful chap himself. Um, and he subsequently kind of took me under his wing a little bit um, with a little bit of advice and help and, you know, putting me on the right track. And I guess it was probably the first person that outside of my little teeny tiny little world at university that gave me some kind of credit for the progress that I'd made to that point. And I think that kind of gave me a bit of a kick in the, in the early years to realize actually people will pay attention if you're doing good things outside of your little immediate bubble um, mm. and that was quite an exciting thing amazing um would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert probably an extrovert yeah um, um i think the definition of this is often confused um i think a lot of people think introverts are just quiet people and extroverts are loud people and that's not really the case i think I, 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 maybe I'm rubbish. I'm sure you'll get some comments telling me I'm an idiot, but I think the actual definition of whether introverted or extroverted is dependent upon how you receive energy. So if you, you know, want to, if you've had a, a really tiring week and you want to just sit at home and watching films all day and keep yourself to yourself and recharge on a Saturday, that's more naturally introverted. Whereas for me to wind down and to me to recharge, I like to be around other people. Um, so I really just get my energy from, from other people and, you know, having, having time with people for me is more therapeutic than, than time alone. Although, you know, everyone, everyone loves a lie in, um, everyone loves a bit of time to themselves. I can't remember quite the last time I got one, but yeah, um, everyone likes a bit of time to themselves, but yeah, I certainly am a, a little bit more extroverted, I think. Mm, amazing. Um, 
You say Wasn't... amazing. It just winds a lot of people up most of the time. I'm not necessarily sure that's a good thing. Oh, I think it's the it's the knowing yourself part, isn't it? That's the I think that's the interesting part. It's like you know you know how to recharge, and I think as an entrepreneur, you do have to learn like how to get the most out of yourself in a quicker time frame as possible. So stuff like that is yeah, it's valuable. Yeah. Um, okay. What time do you get up in the morning and what's the first thing that you do? Um, I am up at six every day. Um, and then it's just the usual stuff, shower, brush my teeth. You know, I wish I could tell you I was doing, you know, 50 sit-ups and running a mile and doing all this amazing stuff, but I'd be lying. Um, it's on my to-do list. I think morning routines is something that, um, I'm actively trying to work on, um, and I think, I don't know if we're going to get to these questions further later on or not. So I'm going to just put a pin in it for now. But I think I've realized one of the limiting factors of my business at the moment is myself, excuse me, in the fact that I think in order to grow a business, um, particularly once it gets to a certain point, you can only grow that business through growing yourself and your own abilities. Um, and then you have to start looking at yourself as uh, a project, as it were to continue to improve so morning routine um, i have a pretty basic morning routine get up shower change breakfast cool hit work and then uh, we start work at seven um so typically a typical day would be me being in the office most likely seven till seven um and that's pretty much a standard standard day for me um but yeah so it, it's not a bad morning routine i'm up i'm doing things I'm, I'm in the office you know fairly early but could it be better absolutely um so it's something that i'm mindful of increasing um, you know, maybe I'll start running to work or cycling to work or doing something that kind of gets the blood flowing a little bit or, you know, maybe even take half an hour before the day starts to just spend a little bit of time on me and just have a bit of, you know, maybe meditation, a bit of clarity, you know, all those things that I understand the benefit of, but I, I would be lying if I said I was at a point where that's part of my daily routine yet. But maybe if you come back in a year, <laughs> I'll, uh, I, can, I can win some more points but yeah that, that, that's a, a pretty basic routine for me at the moment okay nice um just a quick follow-up question to that then like what why do you think it's why do you think it's hard to implement that so let's just say let's just say um you know you yeah you aim to to create an extra half an hour every morning to make time for some of those things yeah i think for me it might be a consequence of being an extrovert i don't like doing things on my own that much so if for example there was a we're all business owners let's go to the gym at five o'clock in the morning and have a training session followed by meditation and preparation for the day daily activity at my gym i'd do it every day um so obviously there's probably a lot of people thinking well that's not going to work josh you want a business you need to be a self-starter um <laughs> yeah all right i've got enough on my plate at the moment i'm busy okay so uh, i think the, the the reality of it is is uh i'd love to to do that and i think having someone to to do that with you know even if it's someone just to go for a run with in the morning or you know something else around me because i guess intrinsically my morning routine at the moment is quite comfortable um, and it's always nice to have someone to give you a bit of a kick outside of that comfort. Um, so yeah, that's probably the reason why I don't do any of those things. Um, also cause I'm knackered, um, I work a lot. So if I can squeeze an extra half an hour in bed, then I'm going to find a reason to stay in bed half an hour, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I love it. I'm totally the same. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, what's your 2020 goal? Obviously I know, uh, 
COVID-19 has thrown a spanner in the works for everyone. So what's your 2020 goal? Yeah, um, so my goal was to um, increase the amount of people that worked for me, um, was one of my big goals for the company this year. Um, so we're now just one member of staff away from that, which is good because it'll take us to double digits, which is great. Um, so that's, that's been really nice. So I'm excited for that because it's looking like we're on track to do that. Thankfully, um, I've been able to grow through, through Corona actually, uh, which is something that again, you might touch on later. So I don't want to get there, get there too quickly, but it's been a good period for us for a number of reasons. Um, and we've been able to continue to increase our workforce whilst other people have been uh, shrinking. So, um, there's lots to be thankful for there but yeah one of the goals was certainly um that business wise to employ more people because that could take the business to the next level make sure our customers get better served and grow the business so on and so forth um but ultimately i think another personal goal was probably just to try to find a little bit more balance as well because again i think um as i alluded to previously you can't really grow business past a certain point until you grow yourself um, and in order to grow yourself, sometimes you have to just kind of stop and take kind of stop for a moment. And I've been very poor at that, to be quite honest. I think um, the honest truth is, is I think I've had one day off work in three and a half years. <laughs> um, other than maybe I think I was ill, I, you know, I was ill for um, a little bit. I got a, a nasty kidney infection. So I was off for maybe a week, maybe 10 days, I think. Um, but yeah, other than that, I haven't chosen um, by, by willing choice to take a day off work for that amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, and I appreciate a lot of people watching this are just going to go, you're nuts. And I would agree with them. Um, but I guess also, um, you know, you know, it, it used to be more than this, to be fair. I used to, and when I say that, that doesn't imply I'm working seven days a week. Don't freak out. Um, it was more that the first year. Um, and then I, I did start taking off you know, days of the weekend. And now I'll kind of, I'll work at the weekend, but not, it, it would be um, unfair to call it work um, in regards to the amount of hours I put in it. It's, you know, certainly more than the most people, but compared to what I do in a normal day, it's, the weekends are pretty chill. Um, but yeah, I, I guess getting the balance right is a big thing for me um, because I want to be able to grow myself, which means taking time out of the business to spend some time on me. Um, so in turn, I can then grow the business. Uh, so that's been something that I'm very conscious of and inevitably I've just been so kind of foot to the floor on growing the business that I've now kind of, I'm getting to that point where the business needs me to grow so I can grow the business. Um, so I need to spend a little bit of time out, but it's just, if I'm away from the business for a week, then we're going to, you know, the business won't be doing this, won't be doing this. And it's just, you know, uh, there's a lot of pressures there, particularly in the sector that I'm in, uh, the crypto and blockchain space, which moves at lightning pace. So, you know, a week not moving forward is effectively a week moving backwards, which is um, a, an industry niche particular problem. Um, I'm not in an accountancy business where things are a bit more static, let's say. But yeah, so that's probably one of my goals as well. So, you know, internal goals, I have some obviously numbers and metrics that, that were on point to hit, which is great. But more than that, probably a lot of personal goals, which, um, you know, my logic dictates that once I've got all these new members of the team trained and operated and working effectively, that in theory should create a little bit of uh, headroom for me to be able to, uh, to start moving on to these other things, which have been on my mind for a while now. Amazing. Um, 
What's your biggest fear? Oh, my biggest fear is probably going to be quite different if I looked at, you know, what's my biggest business fear or what's my biggest um, personal fear. I guess they're probably two quite different questions. You know, down a, down a personal level, you could go, oh, what if I marry the wrong woman and we end up having children, the relationship doesn't work out. That would, you know, be a terrible fear. Um, but that's a, a very different thing than, a, than what I'm sure a lot of your viewers want to know on your business podcast. Um, <laughs> but, but when it comes to um, personal, uh, sorry, business kind of fears, I guess um, it's an interesting one because in the space that I'm in, in the crypto and blockchain space, you know, I guess a big fear would be, oh, well, what if the UK government just makes Bitcoin illegal? That would kind of throw a spanner in the works for us. But at the same time, they couldn't because they have no mechanism of control over that ecosystem. So uh, we're playing with kind of new rules that yet yeah, don't exist. So I guess, yeah, that, that would probably be some type of regulatory thing which I couldn't control, which would um, be very difficult for business. Um, but due to the nature of what I do, any type of regular control is not particularly possible because we're in a really strange industry so yeah the biggest fear is not necessarily possible technically but again it's what the average person on the street might think mm -hmm. um you know if, if boris johnson comes out and says that bitcoin is the worst thing in the world and anyone using it's going to get in trouble that's probably not going to be great for business but at the same time his ability to practically mandate that would be pretty much zero um because of what we do and how the blockchain space operates so yeah, it's a strange one, but probably probably something some something big or regulatory that I couldn't control. And I guess that's probably a fair thing for many business owners fearing the things that they can't control, I guess. 100%. I think that element of control is a really big one for business owners because... We're all just control freaks, is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, pretty much. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I think it's interesting with what you said around your work hours as well because, you know you i know you like in particular like you love to be there and like you love to see what's going on and yeah. you're driving it and like the one like you know with the you know whipping the horses or whatever <laughs> my staff are not horses they are <laughs> lovely people that require no whipping <laughs> that's good to know um but yeah do you think that all comes back to to wanting to stay in control as well um well i mean not really. I mean, I think for me and my business per se, it's we're in the crypto and blockchain space where so things move exceptionally quickly. Um, what was, you know, news yesterday is not important by tomorrow afternoon. You know, the technology, uh, the softwares, the kind of practical things that we do in the announcements, the companies working in the space move so quickly that um, just having people around us. So we have an open office. Um, here and everyone just kind of you know everyone is in the same room doing many many different things and we have a, a nice little tight-knit team so you know even though our tech staff that are building the equipment and doing customer service don't necessarily need to know exactly what the what the sales teams people that they're speaking to are that day actually the fact that one of the guys on the phone gets asked a technical question and can just whisper in the ear of someone else who's sat a few seats away from them ends up meaning that customer gets um, a much quicker answer, much faster. And, and yeah, ultimately, I mean, this is one of the things which has been really interesting with Corona because a lot of people have now got this whole work from home attitude. Um, and I'm sure in some circumstances that might work really well for certain people in certain industries. But what I have found 
for my business is that there is nothing that beats all being in the same room for speed. Um, I mean, even practically, so I have a YouTube channel um, and I have video guys, right? So if we want to say make a video and we're doing that remotely, in order for me to you know, get my eyes on that before it goes out to kind of give it the thumbs up, you know, the video editors need to make something, then they have to upload it somewhere, then I have to watch all of that upload, then I have to give some type of written or verbal feedback, then they have to re-download that video on their software to then re-upload it with the edit changes, then do it, and it's just, before you know it, you've lost three hours in upload and download. Mm. Whereas, you know, I can just walk over to where the video guys are doing the thing, they can show me the bit in question, I can go, yep, that looks great, nope, change that text, cool, excellent, buff, bish, bash, bosh, done, and it's a two-minute process. Mm. Um, versus the, the practicality of information flow when you're remote is just very, very difficult. Because obviously we had experience of that during Corona when everyone was working from home. Um, and for that month, six week period, however long it was now, it's kind of all blurred together. Um, the business was just painful um, just because everyone is so used to uh, operating at such, you know, we're a very human business here. You know, I own a very big hardware company in this blockchain and crypto world. And a lot of people don't believe that you can make money just from leaving a machine plugged in. It sounds like magic, magic just and pixie beans. So one of the things we're very big on is trust and physicality. And hey, come to the office, let's meet us, shake our hands. Obviously, not at the moment, but certainly meet us and say hello. Um, and, and that's a really big thing for what we do. And I think that tangibility to something that's in the digital space such as what we do is really important mm. um and and again i think the, the team has kind of been built on how well we communicate with each other in person um and and it was very easy to know how much that was lost um in these big companies and i think maybe the way that the big companies do it slightly different because you kind of have teams that all work with each other separately and maybe it's to do with how many people there are in the business and maybe if my business was you know 20 30 40 50 people maybe there would have been some practical benefit for some people working at home um but certainly for, for where we are and what we're doing now it, it you know i like everyone to be in the same place doing the same thing mm. rather than me kind of being on top of people and micromanaging i'm not interested in that everyone's capable adults and they're all big boys and girls and they can they can find their own way through stuff it's just a case of I like to be here and I like other people to be here so that we can all kind of buzz off each other. Um, and, and the office is a really cool, fun place to be because we've always got really interesting people coming in. And we have some incredible clients from all over the country and Europe and the world for that matter. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just a fun, quirky little place because, I mean, if you want a business that sells money making machines, you've all got to be a bit nuts to work here, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, <clears throat> what is something that not many people know about you? Oof. Well, again, uh, without giving any embarrassing secrets away that my mum's going to be disappointed in. Um, something people don't know about me. Um, if I can, uh, I get a little bit of time, which is a bit of a rarity these days, but I am a bit of a secret online gamer. Um, so I do actually enjoy... Um, playing stupid computer games and um, shooting people in the face as much as possible. Um, so yeah, and it, it's funny actually because I actually attribute a lot of what I'm doing now to uh, an online game called Entropia Universe, which very few people, if any, will have heard of. Um, it's like an online MMO 
universe online multiplayer game, but it was the first online game in the world to have a fixed uh, dollar economy for virtual items. So your in-game money and your in-game items and things of that nature had a fixed US dollar value. So you could actually earn money playing the game. Wow. Um, and this has been around 15, 16 years now. Uh, it's a Swedish company called Mindark that developed the game. Um, so I've been playing this game since I was 13, 14, really long time. Um, and I was obsessed with the idea of being able to earn money through playing games when I was a kid. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Um, before, obviously, we have Fortnite champions and all these people now that earn millions of dollars. You know, that economy was the way to do it. So weirdly enough, you know, the in-game items I had and all the land and armor and guns and bullets and mining equipment and all that type of stuff was all worth real money. So to me, obviously now in the Bitcoin and crypto and blockchain space, the concept for a lot of people that you can have a digital coin that's worth real money is still a quite bizarre thing people are coming to terms with right now. Mm. But I'd actually been working with that mindset since I was 13, 14. So just because it wasn't called Project Syntropia Dollars anymore, it was now called Bitcoin. That didn't make a difference to me because I understood that digital things could have a real world value. Um, so I'm ever thankful for that game um, just because it was so ahead of its time and it's still operating today, um, but it's quite niche, it's quite small. They have to manage the economy quite delicately. Uh, so it's free to play. Um, I suggest anyone wants to go out there and have some fun. It's a cool thing. You can have some shops and some land areas and you know set up businesses and crafting stores. And it's, it's, it's really, it's this own little micro world, um, which is really, really cool. Wow. But yeah, through, through that, I think I got quite familiar with, um, with understanding online monies um, and that really set me up well mm. if nothing more than conceptually for what I do now which obviously has been been quite pivotal I guess yeah that's fascinating actually um, I think that is a true like from, from interviewing quite a few entrepreneurs now it seems like it's quite an entrepreneur uh, skill to be able to like look at the world and look at your like how you interact with the world and see like business lessons or like business ideas or like see things that you could then translate into a business. Um, so yeah, I, find that, I think that's fascinating. Um, give us a top sales tip as Mr. S Mr. Salesman. There's no one Mr. better than salesman. me. No one's better than me. Well, that's quite a claim, eh? No one's <laughs> um, top sales tip for 2020, get on the flipping phone <laughs> um, is, is the top thing. Or better than that, see people in person. Mm. Um, there is such... Um, so to put it in perspective, I, I don't have thousands of thousands of clients. We only deal with high net worth individuals here typically. Um, probably 90 plus percent of my clients are multimillionaires. Um, high net worth individuals wanting to gain passive income streams. Um, so you would presume that these people are less contactable or less time available than the average person, right? Um, but that's just not the case. What actually ends up being the case is... Um, they're more curious. So you end up wanting to create those opportunities for people to, to come and see things. So ultimately, again, what I do, it's all this made up online internet magic money. Um, so people think, so being able to physically come here, see it, you know, you can see some of the machines behind me and some of the new stock, which will get made into machines um, soon. So being able to physically see what it is, how it works, kick it, feel it, you know, take it for a test drive as it were, is really, really important. And I think particularly with my business, as I'm sure many of your clients watching this and people watching this in general, 
will realize is that ultimately business is really simple. People only do business with people that they trust. Um, and if people think you're an idiot, they're not going to buy from you. So what better way to show, hopefully I'm not an idiot by just coming and spending an hour chatting with me, um, or on the phone or, you know, I honestly, again, maybe I'll look back at, back at this in horror, um, in years to come, but I think I can only count on one hand, the amount of products I've sold directly through non verbal or physical communications. You know, we don't do email buy this now you know obviously people can buy things through the website but we don't really have a great number of things that are done in that way in fact as it stands at the moment again i probably shouldn't have been this publicly but uh, my web shop um we're building a new website that's about to go live and that will change so if anyone's watching this this probably isn't true now um but my website easy uk um see what i did there well, nice little plug um uh, best sales guy 2020 Woo! um yeah if only um but if, as it stands at the moment on my old site, everyone now will be looking at my new site. But on the old site, if you actually add an item to the cart and try to pay, we won't let you pay um, until someone has called you and made sure that you know exactly what you're getting, exactly how it works, exactly what the service is. Um, and that's quite shocking for a lot of people. And then when they get a phone call and they go, oh, I can speak with a real person. I'm like, well, yeah, sure. Um, everything's done very, very personally here. Um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why the businesses continue to grow, even during recessions, even when the crypto market, um, you know, even when the market was, was falling, the value of the coins. I think ultimately people really want that human connection. Um, and in this online world where everything is done, um, you know, podcasts and emails and online forms and, you know, next day delivery, and it's all just very inhuman. Um, the fact that very often we'll meet someone at a show, we'll meet them in person, we'll invite them to the office, they'll come and speak to us. Um, they can get everything, you know, here. We have a very different process. I think of all the things I've sold in the business, there's maybe five or six people who I haven't physically met in person. Mm, yeah. um, and a lot of people think that's mental. And obviously I, I appreciate that's not practical to scale as we move forward. But that's one of the reasons why now we have the video team and we do more things like this for outreach where people might not be able to come and meet me in person for whatever reason or the team, but they can at least maybe watch this or see some of the videos on YouTube and kind of get a feel for who we are and what we do. Um, and that will ultimately make them more comfortable about the journey that we're going to take them on together. Mm -hmm. I think that's it's quite refreshing in a way, because I think a lot of people can feel held back if they haven't got this massive online like presence or this massive, like, you know, massive like online infrastructure set up. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I think a really good way to summarize that was when I started the business, I didn't have a website. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd sold £72,000 worth of products before I had a website. <laughs> That's not so much. <laughs> that it, so, yeah. so all of this, oh, let's spend six months designing the perfect logo. It's, yeah. it's um, insert swear word of choice. It's yeah. not important. Um, what's important is you and people trusting you and you being confident in what you do. Um, so, yeah, so I was exchanging, you know, multiple thousands of pounds with individual customers um, all through Facebook. Um, and it was just, Hey, this is what I do all done through private message all done through, Hey, give me a call all done through bank to bank transfer. Mm. Um, very simple, very straightforward. And just because I was prepared to have a, an open, honest conversation with people and they liked what we were doing. And some of those people are still clients now and continue to be so. Mm, love it. Okay. Amazing. And this is the last, last question of our rapid fire that hasn't been that rapid, but you know, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah. I appreciate this. So. <laughs> it's all good. Um, 
yeah last question of the rapid fire so so my kind of my business ethos if you like is um i'm kind of i'm trying to use like business and online business and strategy to help people what i call achieve their version of success without sacrifice um yeah because i just think it's the 21st century we should be able to have success in all areas of life that we choose to what is your success without sacrifice yeah so what is your version of success without sacrifice because it means different things to different people um in the politest way possible i don't think that's possible okay amazing elaborate um i I think it's impossible to be successful without a level of sacrifice and what what Um, what does that sacrifice look like it's different for different people because it depends what you want but even just on a very practical level like if you want a business to succeed it is not going to succeed if you work 40 hours a week in the first year that is impossible it it depends on your level of success of course but in all reality you're not going to be working 40 hours a week so if you're not working 40 hours a week and now you're working even 60 which isn't that much uh, well (laughs) for me at least i I appreciate everyone's watching this thinking I'm an idiot, but look, just, you know, so even 60 hours a week, that means you've lost 20 hours of social time with your mates, family, friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever. So even just practically, there is elements that have to be sacrificed, even if it's just from a time point of view, you know, so I, you know, it's not, I say I happily admit, I don't happily admit it. It's not a nice thing, but am I now less close with some of the friends who I was really close with before I started the business? Um, yes because I don't have the time to nurture those relationships the way that I once used to. Um, that said, my, you know, it became very obvious, you know, who my best friends were. And, you know, you know, as I'm sure everyone listening to this realizes, you know, you don't need to be on the phone to your mate every day for, for months. You know, you all have those best friends that you just pick up in, you know, spoke to in two months and you just pick up exactly where you left off. Right. And it becomes obvious who, you know, you were closer to perhaps more than you thought, but, you know, certainly like my old school friends or, people um, who I'd grown up with who were, you know, uh, say more casual friends who you'd just do stuff with as the occasion took, um, you know, the time. I wasn't able to go to that birthday party because I was on a stage in London or I wasn't able to go away with the lads for that camping trip because I had a client in or, you know, and and that's just the reality of the situation. Um, You know, and you have to actively make sure. So one of the things I... um, I've always kind of said, you know, when it comes to my personal life, you know, romantic lives and things that, you know, there's no way I want to make that separation of sacrifice because I don't want to end up being one of these rich business people that has loads of money and ends up with, you know, divorces and torn up families and you're not there for your kids. And that's not the way I want to build my life. Um, But at the same time, you know, am I going to be that, 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 boyfriend, husband, partner that turns up at five o'clock every night from work. No, you know, so it's a case of being realistic to these things and and having a balance to them. But in order to, you know, be successful, there is always some level of of, of sacrifice, be it personal time, be it relationship time, you know, ultimately, you know, your personal health, it shouldn't be a sacrifice, but inevitably ends up being as you become the bottom of the pile when your business takes priority, which is certainly not advice I'd suggest giving to anyone, certainly something to be aware of. But again, these are the realities of of the situation. Mm. Um, So it's okay to say, yeah, let's have both because in a perfect world, that's great. And maybe you can once you've made it, you know, maybe, maybe once you've got, you know, and again, success is different for different people. I think for me, a lot of people would look at me and say, I'm successful. Mm. Um, oh, you're a millionaire before you're 30. Woo, yay, success. Well, 
No, um, that doesn't really mean anything because one, people don't understand what being a millionaire is because it's not like I'm sat on noodles of cash because that's not the way it works. The company value and all that type of stuff is a totally different thing. So it's not like you just sat on bazillions of cash and you can just not work forever. It's, it's not how it works. And secondly, even when you get to that point, you have other responsibilities. Like you, you once you have those responsibilities, then, you know, I have a team. I have people's mortgages I'm responsible for paying. Um, so as you get bigger, you have more responsibilities. So then the same way that you treat, you, you know, my team are like my, my little family. You know, I'm not just going to abandon them because I want a month in the Seychelles. Like, yeah, I'm entitled to that maybe if I ever get there. But the point is, is that I have a responsibility to them to make sure that they're moving forward and they're doing okay. And, and I guess at this point in time, I'm just acutely aware that I can work all these hours. I can make all these sacrifices because, you know, I, I don't have a wife. I'm not... Um, you know, in a position where I have children, I'm not at that point in my life where, you know, and ultimately, God forbid, if I was to lose everything, there's plenty of time for me to start again. So uh, thankfully, I'm objectively aware enough to know that I can put everything into this. Um, and I don't have a large personal sacrifice given other smaller things, which I'm quite willing to sacrifice to be where I am and to go where I want to be. Mm. Um, so again, if I was in my, in my fifties with a family and kids and why, well, I was about to say wives then, I'm not sure quite, <laughs> quite how I imagine things to be when I'm 50, but a wife, the wife, the one wife, um, the wife alive. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I appreciate maybe, maybe I couldn't, you know, do what I do. I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not there yet, so it's hard to say, but I, I certainly know that to have that, have it all with no sacrifice, I think is, I would at least argue um, a very unrealistic goal um, to, to be an entrepreneur because if it was easy, everyone would do it. And I think the honest truth is, is a lot of people don't make it because they're not willing to make those sacrifices. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, I, I, I'll be the first to tell you what we do is mental. Like it's not, it's not a lot of people couldn't do it. A lot of people don't want to do it. And I wouldn't blame a lot of people for not wanting to do it. It's really, really difficult. Mm. Uh, and I don't necessarily think that's spoken about a lot. Entrepreneurship seen as this, well, hey, it's, you know, make your own business, start your own life. I'm like, well, mm. sometimes there's a little part of me that just goes, man, I just wish I worked at Tesco. Start <laughs> at this time, finish at that time, go home and the time's mine. Mm. That'd be lovely. Just boop, switch your brain off. Mm. That's not going to be an option for the rest of my life. And, you know, that comes with uh, a massive consumption of emotional energy. Mm. that else is the sacrifice else I could have put into something else. And it's just a case of balancing those things. So, you know, having it all is, is one thing and, you know, it depends what all is. It depends what success is. And those two things are very variable and different for different people. But um, in order to get to where you get to, I'd struggle to, to, to see any level of, you know, quote unquote success without, without quite a large sacrifice or some description. Mm. No, I'm actually really glad you, um, well, I knew you would answer like that. I mean, I know you well enough that that would be what you would say. Um, and I was actually like really interested to hear that point of view from you because I've asked a lot of people on this who've done this show um, that question and, you know, that everyone has their own version. Um, but one of the things that I think you're right doesn't get enough, like spoken about enough is the difference between a short-term sacrifice and a long-term sacrifice. Yeah. And again, obviously, like, it depends on what your version of success is. You know, I know your version of success is, like, huge. Like, you want to change the world. Like, you want to conquer the world. Like, you want to make crypto accessible. And you want to yeah. 
Yeah, I've got, got, got a lot to do. Yeah. You know, you've got a big mission. So it then doesn't surprise me that you've got this really strong like work ethic because you know, like I can't just roll out of bed, work six hours and that. Yeah, and expect that to happen. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but again, if someone's level of success is I'd like to be able to earn a little bit of extra income while the kids are at school, then you might only have four or five hours possible to, to do that. And if you're able to bring in X amount of thousands of pounds a year to help support the household income, then that's just as big a success as what I'm going for. There's not a difference. Exactly. Like yeah. it's all about personal circumstances. Yeah. So, you know, and I think that the longevity of it and, and the short term, you know, it's a big thing. Like I want to be able to put in all the time and effort now so that, you know, hopefully fast forward X period of time when I've got, you know, my, my lovely wife and my lovely children and all those things are in play. I want to be able to be that dad that can be there at the football matches. I want to be able to be there that can, you know, let's go away this weekend and let's go away here and let's do that. Like that's how I want my life to be. Mm. Um, but equally, in order to make the time then, I need to sacrifice the time now so that I don't have the financial obligations that I can't make those choices in the future. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I 100% echo that and I'm of the exact same mindset. And again, you know, it helps that I'm in my 20s. And like you said, I've not got, you know, the kids, the, well, I'm engaged, but I'm not married, you know, so <laughs> I've not got like the, I guess the family obligation side of it yet. Yeah. Um, so my... We just have to, just have to echo this. This, this for your fiance, this is not saying she doesn't want to marry you. <laughs> It's okay. Oh, no, he knows that. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I'm so, nagging him enough that he knows I definitely want to get married. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I say I, I echo that it is a privilege to be young and available to put the time in now so that we can in a few years, hopefully, um, be a bit more flexible. Um, yeah. And I mean, a, a privilege, I don't know. I mean, again, if I was going to finish that up um again it's probably not a popular point but uh, in the vein of honesty i mean i think a lot of people need to assess what they do with their time and choose to make those sacrifices i think a lot of people you know again if let's say for example you're you're in a relationship uh, you know you have massive global plans to take over the world in your business and you're in a relationship which you don't necessarily see there being much longevity in is it fair to yourself, to that person, to other people to then spend all your weekend at Ikea with them when actually that's not benefiting you, it's not benefiting them, it's not benefiting anyone. And, you know, but equally people might have exceptionally supportive partners that are the backbone of them getting to that position. So of course, everything's a, a personal choice and, and an individual decision, but I guess it's just a case of realizing that you need to, again, I think as you're right, think maybe more long-term than short-term. A lot, a lot of people are very mindful of thinking short-term, particularly in the 20s, you know, similar ages. I think me and you are, are a similar age. So I think a lot of people, um, if you're not frustrating, a little bit younger than me, which is annoying. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think ultimately that's it. There's certainly from my friends and the people around me, um, my kind of, I say peers, not business peers, but kind of other people that I've grown up with that are at the same age as me, um, you know, that I went to university with or high school with or college or whatever it may be. I think one of the reasons that keeps them doing normal things, some of them want to, and that's absolutely fine, of course, but those that maybe have desires to go a little bit further than they are, the difference between where they are now and where they want to go is their inability of sacrifice. Mm, yeah. Because they would rather get through that box set on Netflix than spend six hours in an evening starting that business. Um, 
and and that is just because one's easier than the other and ultimately if people continue to make those choices that's fine that they're entitled to do that but then you can't complain that you're not where you want to be mm. yes true that <laughs> okay so obviously i mean you've mentioned it a couple of times uh, loosely what you do in that you you have a machine that when you plug it in it makes money so yeah Right, I know. Sounds wild, right? About that. <laughs> yeah, plug in my magic box and it will make you money. Yeah, I know. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, just to make it nice and simple for people out there that are listening, probably going, what the heck are those things behind him and what the heck do, does, does this guy do? So it's real simple. So um, you've probably heard of Bitcoin and people may have heard of the word blockchain. But what a lot of people don't realize is they're two different things. So the best way to kind of understand it uh, in nice, simple terms is if you imagine uh, the Internet. So everyone's pretty familiar with what the Internet is. So the Internet is a baseline. I'll put my hands here so you can see me a little uh, baseline technology. And on top of that baseline, cool technology sits Amazon, eBay, Microsoft, Facebook, loads of different companies that perform totally different business services, but they all use the technology of the internet to function. Um, similarly, the blockchain um, is this cool underlying technology that loads of different crypto companies sit on top of. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, Zencash, Zcoin, Ravencoin, all these you know thousands and thousands of different coins, companies, and projects. So what a lot of people don't realize is what the actual blockchain is. And, and in super simple terms, the blockchain is just blocks of information that are all linked together with mathematical chains, codes. Um, and just think of it like a posh spreadsheet. So the thing that's really cool about the blockchain is it's this posh spreadsheet that critically everyone can see. So if I was to send you some coins, let's just say I sent you some, some Bitcoin, Bethan, it would go from my Bitcoin address to your Bitcoin address, and it would be kind of stamped on this blockchain, this, this posh spreadsheet, for the whole world to see, which means you could never say, oh, Josh, you didn't send me the money. Because the whole world can see that spreadsheet. So like a public spreadsheet, but like a Google Doc. But it can't ever be changed. So once that transactional record has gone through, it's permanently stamped in time and all eternity. Um, so when you boil all of this down and people go, what's this blockchain stuff? Why is it such a big deal? I don't get it. Well, what we've done is we've created a new type of technology that digitizes human trust. And that's a really big deal for business. Because all of a sudden, why do we need estate agents? What if I want to sell my house? Why don't I just create Josh's house token? I can give you that on the blockchain. Everyone can publicly see that I've given you that token. Everyone can publicly see that you've sent me the funds. Therefore, why do we need any type of party to mandate that? You know, an estate agent just is there to make sure person A does what person B says they're going to do. You know, so in many, many, many business sectors, there's third parties that basically mediate between person A and person B to mediate that trust. But effectively, if the whole world can see what happened between those two people, there is no need for that third party. So this is where Bitcoin came in as a way for two people to pay each other without the banks, without the government, without the PayPal's, without the Amazon pays, and everyone can see that transaction. 
you know now we have insurance protocols supply chain logistics so maybe when when the when the cattle was raised on the farm what day it was slaughtered when it went off for packing what day it was a sell by date on the packet all of those records of information can be stamped on this blockchain so that any consumer can look back at that and go oh well that happened then that happened then that happened then that happened then or in automated insurance protocols, you know, banks and governments and insurances can pay you out automatically because you bought your insurance here, this event occurred here, now you instantly get paid. Um, so it's, it's a really, really smart way of um, moving technology around. So in order for this spreadsheet to be updated, a bit like an internet server that keeps your website spinning. So all the, you know, all your business owners who are listening now are probably thinking, okay, I'm kind of getting a little bit of it, but where does the money come in? What do the machines do? Well, if you have a website for your business, you need to pay a monthly web hosting fee. So for the past 20 years, people have been paying a web hosting fee. And what are you really paying for there? You're paying for a computer to do lots of geeky computer stuff and provide the power to keep your website online. So whoever owns that physical computer gets paid every single month for leaving the computer running. So similarly, the machines behind me that you can see here, we sell to our customers, to our clients. They can take that home, plug it in, normal internet connection, normal plug sockets, turn it on, leave it running 24 hours a day. And actually that machine will process all the transactions and computer wise, it will effectively stamp that that, that spreadsheet, that blockchain, it will ingrain the transfer database to the whole network so everyone can see it. So as a thank you for that service, the company of whichever coin you're providing power to, whichever coin you're mining, providing data to, you get paid in, as a thank you. So in super simple terms, imagine like you have a very powerful computer and you rent out computer power to Amazon. Instead of Amazon paying you in pounds and pence, they pay you in Amazon shares of course, you can sell those shares for cash. Mm -hmm. Similarly, in the blockchain space, our machines provide power to all these blockchain and crypto companies, and they in turn pay us a thank you um, for in, in their tokens, which of course we can sell on the market for cash straight away as well if we wish, um, as a thank you for power in the network. So that is how you can get paid just for leaving a machine on every single day. And at the time of filming this, you know, people that are watching this don't bite my head off because the prices change and markets go up and down. But as it stands at the moment, you're making somewhere around 300 plus pounds a month just from leaving a machine turned on. Amazing. And obviously it's all about the value of those coins increasing in the future as the market continues to grow and so on and so forth. But, you know, there's some really nice uh, passive income options that are available to people, um, but often people don't necessarily take the time to understand these things in as much detail um, to be confident. But mm. that said, we have dairy farmers, cattle farmers, people that don't even have smartphones. You know, you don't have to be a computer nerd to, to understand this. It's, it's plug it in, turn it on um, and let us help you with the rest. Is there any advantage to leaving the money as coins for longer or? Yeah, yeah, generally speaking. So uh, historically speaking, the cryptocurrency markets continue to grow every single year for the last 10 years. So this is another common misconception that people um, go down is that they say, you know, oh, Bitcoin's so volatile, the price goes up so much, it goes down so much, oh, I'm never gonna, it's all a bit too much for me. Well, yes, that's true, but just kind of zoom out. And instead of looking at the yearly highs, let's just go back and look at the yearly lows. Mm -hmm. And the yearly low has increased pretty much every single year for the past 10 years. 
So we, we only advise people to get involved in this space, um, particularly with the mining side of things, you know, if you've got a three to five year play. Not that the machines aren't making great profit every single day right now, not that you've got an amazing percentage yearly return um, at the moment, which is far outweigh um, any other type of investment by multiples. Um, but it's all about, yes, if you earn those coins now, the logic is, is that by this time next year, two years, three years, four years, five years, those coins will have continued to increase in value. So what we've seen historically is, you know, the business has been around nearly three years now. When I say the machine's making £300 a month right now, that implies if you sold the coins at the end of this month. Uh, we've got evidence to suggest that the same £300 that was mined two or three years ago is now effectively worth well over £1,500 in some circumstances, depending upon which coins and the price you sold them and so on and so forth. Wow. So, yeah, so it's all about kind of, it's, it's in, in really simple terms, it's like having a machine that pays you in shares of your choice. Okay. And, and you can how, keep those shares and sell them at whenever you want in, in easy language. And how do you decide which coins to mine? Again, uh, this is where we come in as experts for the sector. Um, so, you know, we don't expect the average person to be au fait with the entire market space. But what our machines do is rather than mine one particular type of coin, they're kind of like the Swiss Army knife of the whole sector. They can mine any time, any coin, any time, any place. So we, you know, part of the service, again, so people come and buy equipment from us. There's no ongoing fees. There's no ongoing costs. It's all included in the pricing structure. Um, you get access to, to the team. So ultimately, we advise people every single however is often as required as to what the best profitable coin is to mine. We can give remote assistance technologically of moving them over, setting up the wallets, getting all the coins through. I mean, you know, practically we're able to assist in the whole process. I mean, just to put this in perspective, the average age of my clients is 58. Oh, wow. So this isn't some young person's tech thing. This is generally speaking for, like I said, seasoned business owners, um, who understand investments of three to five years are happy to, um, you know, purchase a machine. And I guess that's one of the things as well, which is really exciting is because you're buying physical computer equipment. It's just, you know, a posh computer. So in some circumstances, you know, you can get your VAT back, put it through as a capital asset purchase, um, you know, offset a lot of costs through the business as you would uh, any type of computer equipment. So th there's, there's a lot of very, very uh, tangible you know, advantage to this type of purchase. And subsequently, we've had a lot of people during Corona that have seen their businesses been very heavily affected. Um, mm. And ultimately what that's meant, you know, like gold and silver is booming at all time high prices right now. Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is being seen in the same way as the fact that it's a non-geopolitically connected asset class that sits outside of all this world drama. Um, so the prices of those coins have, have done exceptionally well over this period. Um, so, so people moving into the space have, have, have obviously got in touch with us and we've been very busy. Okay, nice. Um, and what, I've always wondered, like, what's the, what's the biggest reason people say no? Is it, is it because, because I think, I think there's some element that if you, or it seems to be like similar to the stock market in that there's an element of which you don't control. Like, yeah, you choose a coin to mine. And you kind of obviously let the coins come in, but ultimately you don't control the value of those. Correct. Coins. Yep. Is that, a, is that the biggest pushback would you say, or is there something else? No, no, it's not because again, you, you know, you wouldn't ever have all your eggs in one basket. That's the best bit, you know, in order for this to be a successful thing for you over time, you don't, it's not just like, Oh, I'm going to spend, let me just spend 10,000 pounds on this coin and hope it goes up. 
that that's not the approach here. The approach here is get a bit of kit that can do everything and you'll get a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of this as the market continues to move forward. So, you know, again, it's intelligently spreading your risk. And again, with multiple machines, we can have slightly more complex strategies that take advantage of different things. But ultimately, again, it's about spreading risk, you know. So, um, again, the fact that you own the physical machine, you could actually sell the components. You know, each one of these little graphics cards here that you see, these six of those that go into a machine, you know, they're as good as a thousand pounds each, um, just as raw component value. Mm. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot of money that goes into the equipment. So the value of the equipment is, is a big kind of bonus for businesses. So actually the amount of cash that's exposed in an investment of this nature just isn't all that large. Okay. Um, so I guess when people say no, it, it generally comes down to one thing and that's that they don't, um, they haven't, well, uh, they don't understand it. Mm. So people, you know, and again, people don't need to understand all the technicals of blockchains and block times and coins and earnings and block. They don't need to know all the geeky stuff. Um, they need to know enough to make an informed business choice, which is again, why when people come in, um, we spend time with them. In fact, through Corona, we, we've made a really nice explainer video. Um, perhaps you might be able to maybe link that below for people. Yeah, um, in there. And that's a little YouTube video we've made, which is, you know, just under half an hour, which goes from A to Z of what this is, how it works, where the money comes from, what's it's all about. Um, and ultimately just, you know, gives people that confidence to understand what things are. Mm. Um, and, and again, because it's new, a lot of people don't, it, people don't understand or don't invest in things they don't understand. Mm. And you might not need to understand it all because if we waited to understand absolutely everything about everything, we'd never move forward. But you need to understand enough to be confident. And I think some people just might go, digital online money, oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that can't be real, you know, not realizing that they have an online bank account. <laughs> right, so, um, so some people just don't take the time to understand these things. Uh, there's, there's very, you know, few people who have come, seen us, spoke with us, gone through all the formalities of understanding what this is, um, and then don't wish to move forward. Because again, you know, obviously they're not particularly cheap bits of equipment. We operate at the higher end of the market, but typically we're already in the right places talking to those customers. So um, for those people that come in and choose not to purchase, is generally either they've, they've misunderstood something, it's maybe not the right time for them. I mean, very often we might get a lot of property developers, um, business owners. So quite often there can be another use that's needed immediately for that cash. And then typically they might come back to us in a few months. That's a very common thing to happen. Um, but more often than not, we have a very, very high conversion. Um, you know, I, I, won't, I won't give away my official stats and statistics, but for those people that come and see us um, in regards to those that purchase and those that don't, some some pretty impressive numbers um mm -hmm. because again it's that human touch it's just if you're in a financial position to do it i mean you know if you if the machines are earning hundreds of pounds a month profit why on god's green earth would you have cash sat in a business bank account that's earning zero percent interest mm. it makes no sense yeah so providing that people are confident enough to understand what this is and how it works the the, the numbers just stack up so handsomely it makes uh it makes a really interesting opportunity for people Hmm. Okay. Um, and one thing I actually have always wanted to ask you because obviously, so we, um, we go to the same mastermind kind of, uh, group in the same little world. Yeah. In little world. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, and I remember thinking this the first time I, like the first time I kind of really saw you do this, I was like, like blown away, but I will walk into a room and I'll go in there like, oh, like, who can I meet? Who can I learn from today? This is exciting. And you'll go in and you'll be like, right, 
who's going to be a new lead who's going to like be my next customer and you'll leave that room with like five leads or like seven leads or something and I mean, i've always been interested I, like i i have a i have a hotel to pay for somehow you know <laughs> I've always been interested like what how does that conversation go like so you go into a room and you're like right I'm gonna I'm gonna leave with a lead today and you see this person like you approach that person what what do you do what do you say um I, yeah I mean it's just like getting girls numbers at the bar isn't it really it's easy no, I wish <laughs> well, tell me yeah, more about yeah. that because I don't know about that either no, no you know what neither do I that's the truth I have no clue what I'm doing um <laughs> But but no, really, um, it comes down to, it, I guess, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a number of reasons why I, I, I do what I do. So, for example, when we go to, you know, the same um, networking groups that we're in, um, generally speaking, they're quite high net worth groups. So, you, you know, it's all the, all the sensible stuff. So, considering I have a product that makes people money, right? So, everyone that goes to those events is there to make money usually through more personal growth mechanisms, but all the same, they're there because they want to make more money or grow their business or work less or have more disposable income, all of which my wonderful little boxes offer. So, you know, I am very happy kind of being the, the, the guy that has a really interesting product. Uh, so I think it's a combination of having a really interesting product, but more than that, I think it's a case of being able to articulate those benefits for people. Um, and given I appreciate what we sell is, is, is quite cool um, and has a lot of benefits to people and uh, slightly more interesting than other things, dare I may say. But I think it comes down to understanding the people in the room, understanding what they want. And I guess really just it comes down to understanding sales. Like it's really, really simple. It's do you offer a solution that solves their problems? And does the person trust you, know you and like you enough to be able to trust you with their cash to solve that problem? I mean, that's really it. Mm. Um, you know, you can flower it up any way you want, but that's really what the basics come down to. So, you know, I don't walk into a room actively wanting people to like me and trust me and think, you know, I'm this or whatever. I'm just, I guess I'm just happy to have an honest dialogue with people. Mm. Um, and I guess being so confident about what we do, having, you know, we've got documented history. I guess for me, a lot of people get, you know, hopefully, I don't know if it's a, uh, necessarily coming across on camera quite the same but you know i really really love what i do mm. you know I'm, I'm just desperately passionate about the career i've forged and the industry and where it's going and how much it's going to help business owners and there's just so much money that people are able to make in this space there's so much good that it can do for the world um so many new ideas and mechanisms and just uh, just it's going to be wonderful you know it's a great technology so i'm very passionate about sharing that with people and it's kind of a little bit like explaining to people back in the early 90s, 2000s, what the internet is and why it's such a big deal. Mm. It was really hard for people to get because it was so new. And this whole blockchain and crypto stuff is that right now. You know, it's already much more further developed than people realize. Um, it's, it's got so much more to come. And I guess I just take a lot of pride and, uh, you know, I can be very enthusiastic about helping share that message um, with people moving forward um, and that that really gives me a, a lot of energy I guess and um, so yeah I just I just enjoy sharing if, if you believe in what you've got then other people not getting involved in that would be a disservice to them I love that yeah I believe that wholeheartedly yeah so that's that's great um okay 
I'm gonna say I want to be respectful of your time so I feel like I've only asked like half my questions so maybe we can do a follow-up episode and if you follow up episode part two <laughs> I think just talk too to. much part one yeah. <laughs> I think I've still got so many questions but yeah let's obviously respectful your time for now and I'll ask you the same question that I ask everybody who comes on my podcast because I am really trying to figure out you know what are what are the the traits the habits the characters of successful people like what do they do more of what do they do less of um so with that in mind josh what would you say is your millionaire secret millionaire secret um well here's the thing it ain't no secret if you tell everyone is it huh um (laughs) but no i think wider than that i don't think there are any secrets i think um to get to a successful position is uh, very mathematical. It's very formulaic. If you do X, Y, Z plus A, B, C times Y, um, you'll get to where you want to be. Um, the only difference is, is understanding those variables for each individual. Mm. Um, some people need to work harder. Some people need to work smarter. Some people need to get better with certain software. Some people need to get better at sales. Some people need to get better at web design or whatever that particular niche may be. Um, but uh, I guess, fundamentally you know i wish it was i wish there was something more you know groundbreaking than just working really bloody hard mm-hmm. um it, it's a case of understanding the right strings that you need to pull at the right time um and and using your the, the hard work doesn't just mean come and sit at your desk 12 hours a day and and do that you know hard work is go into all these events that I go to, that you go to, these business growth events, these, you know, reading of the books, the mentorships, the putting time in, developing your social skills, going out, meeting new people, putting yourself in new positions. It's, it's kind of, you know, if I want to be a millionaire, if I want to be this person, if I want my business to be at that place, you know, the best thing to do is get out a pen and paper and just go, okay, well, let's put on my logical thinking, smart person cap and what do I need to do to make myself better so that I'm able to get to that position? What skills do I lack? How much time do I need to put into this? What do I need to learn? Mm-hmm. I'm very weak here. How do I become stronger? And, and you can break it down. It's, it's quite, you know, methodical. And again, as we said at the beginning of the conversation, you know, um, am I prepared to make those sacrifices? Because if you get all that in and you go, actually, yes, it's possible for me to be a millionaire, but it means I'm going to have to spend the next six years without a social life and spend tens of thousands of pounds on self-education and it means I'm probably not going to get a Saturday off for you know a a couple of weeks at a time Mm. you need to be very realistic about that and from the get-go go is that a life I want because for some people it's not and guess what that's absolutely fine too Mm. and I think I think that's probably the biggest you know thing that people do a lot of people are very 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 unhappy business owners because they think it's what they want, but it's actually not. And they'd probably be better off in a high paid salary job in their particular field of expertise. Mm. Yeah. And, 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 and having that ability to be objective about that and actually look at yourself and who you are, where you want to be and where you want to go, I guess that's the secret. I guess the secret is it's not for everyone. Mm. And the secret for those who want to do it is it's bloody hard work and that's okay, but you have to be prepared to do that and you have to be prepared to make those sacrifices. Mm. Amazing. Well, that's a perfect end to a perfect answer to a perfect episode. <laughs> I, well, I'm not entirely sure that's true, but I'll, uh, I'll pay you later.
no we'll definitely uh as i say there's definitely room for a part two because like there's so much there's so much i could have dug into um so yeah so we'll talk about that but thank you so much for your time today josh i really appreciate it and no it's no problem at all it's been a pleasure thank you yeah, you've shared really good value and i think like, like people will learn a lot from this episode which is all we can ask for so yeah thank you so much no problem at all thanks guys thanks for listening to this episode the secrets discussed in this episode we don't want you to keep secret we want you to go out there and share them if you know someone who you know needs to hear this message of inspiration please share this episode with them and if you enjoyed what you heard today i would be super grateful if you could leave me a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on Also, now as a bonus, with every podcast episode released, those who subscribe to the Millionaire Secrets podcast email list will A, immediately receive the Millionaire Secrets Success Checklist, 12 easy to implement daily practices, which guarantee success in business. More importantly, subscribers will receive bonus content either from our speakers or related to the topics our speakers talk about to give you the advantage on your journey. Head over to millionairesecretspodcast.com and subscribe to receive the step-by-step worksheet and other bonuses, including, of course, the Millionaire Secret Success Checklist, 12 easy-to-implement daily practices which guarantee success in business, approved by millionaires for future millionaires. Thanks again for listening to Millionaire Secrets. And don't forget, knowledge is only power when you take action on it. I don't want the secrets in this podcast to stay secret for long. So go away, implement the advice given in this podcast and let me know your results. Tag me on Instagram with what you're getting up to and what's made the most difference. See you soon, guys.